You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on episode 10 of Quarantine and Chill, the podcast within the Disability After Dark feed, where I sit down with disability thought leaders and talk about their experiences as we kind of go through coronavirus and we kind of go through this pandemic together. I wanted to ensure that in this series, I sit down specifically with disabled people to make sure that their voices are heard. And I am really, really honored to be holding space for these conversations because I don't think we're doing enough right now to make sure that disabled voices are being given ample space within the coronavirus pandemic, and I wanted to do my part on this podcast to ensure that's being done. So, get comfy, cozy, and quarantined, and let's get this episode started, y'all. On a whole other note, I can't believe we're 10 episodes into quarantine and chill. I thought this would go on maybe for four or five, but I keep getting people emailing me saying they want to be a part of this, saying it's important for them, saying that these particular episodes are giving them something where they don't feel so alone. And so I really, really appreciate everybody. These episodes are actually doing almost better on the podcast feed than the regular sexy episodes on Thursdays. So I'm really, really excited by where this is going. And this is also proof that Disability After Dark can branch out and do more things. So thank you so much for listening. Before we interview our guest today, I want to let you know that if you want to be a part of a quarantine and chill, you can email me at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com using the subject line quarantine and chill. Let me know kind of what a little bit of your story regarding um, the pandemic, a little bit of your disability experience regarding the pandemic. I'd love to hear from people with intellectual disabilities and um, and invisible disabilities as they navigate the pandemic because I think it's really, really critical to get those stories out there. Um, so definitely send an email to me and I'd love to hear from you. But now let's get to our guest today. Our guest today is my good friend, Kat Nance. She was a previous guest on the show. She talked about her experience with I can never pronounce this disability right. It's Charcot-Marie-Tooth Syndrome or Charcot-Marie-Tooth Disease. She talked about her experiences with that. On this episode, we talk about her experiences with CMT and having been in the hospital as a child and how all of that experience, ex- all of those experiences inform her experiences of the pandemic today and how she's what she gleaned from those experiences to manage her her isolation today. We also talk about her experience being a disabled mother during the pandemic and what that means for her, how she really um, is going through her desire for not having support that she had before, how her daughter's going through it. She even discusses some of her experiences of sexuality and trying to engage with desire during the pandemic and I thought that was a really interesting point and really salient to bring forward because so many of us with disabilities are having trouble feeling desirable or feeling sexy or accessing sexuality so we talk a little bit about that we do a whole big deep dive into her experience as a 
um, her experience as a disabled person, a disabled mother during the pandemic. A lot of stuff goes on in this episode, and I was really, really proud to interview my friend, Kat Nance. So, enough of me rambling, but here is my episode 10 of Quarantine and Chill with my friend, Kat Nance, right now on Disability After Dark. Kat Nance, hey. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming back on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm feeling pretty great today. I'm glad to be talking to you. I'm so happy that you were one of the first people a few months ago that emailed me as soon as I started wanting to do Quarantine and Chill Idea once we all, once all of new media was like, oh, fuck, we better shift to COVID response. And I yeah. decided, well, I, and I hadn't been hearing anything about disabled voices really in in popular media talking about COVID just yet, I was yeah. like, well, I, and so I, I put the idea out there, and you were literally the first email that I got that was like, <laughs> I want to do this. And so it's finally nice to be sitting down with you on this beautiful May day, even though I'm inside and I haven't been outside since for such a long time. Um, can you reintroduce yourself for me and just reintroduce yourself to the audience? You were one of my favorite yeah. past guests, but just in case... They haven't listened to our episode. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Kat Nance. I'm a somatic sex and relationship coach. And so I support people in having a better understanding of what's going on in their body around trauma. So I do a lot of trauma work with folks. And what else do I do? I'm a disabled mama. And that informs my lens of my pleasure work quite a bit. Uh, what else do I do? I do lots of courses and work around rewilding the body and um, undomesticating ourselves and redefining for ourselves what we want our lives to look like and pleasure to look like. Um, and yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot, just, yeah. just in that little like tag, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you, wow, we could do like five shows on everything you just said there. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, can you re-explain for us what your disabilities are and how they impact your day-to-day -day life? Yes, I have Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, which um, is, I guess some people think it's like a form of muscular dystrophy, um, but Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease is a peripheral nervous system disease, so it affects my exterior limbs um, and my lungs sometimes, and when I was when I was 10 until I was uh, 16, I had 17 major surgeries. That's right, I forgot, I forgot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a lot of surgeries, yeah. Um, and so I spent most of my childhood in and out of the hospital in a lot of chronic pain. And um, that's actually what really informed a lot of the work that I do now. Um, from, you know, you've obviously had a lot of experience and a lot of people listening have had a lot of experience in the medical system and it's pretty objectifying. And, um, you know, when I started realizing like my, my body is actually mine and I deserve to have more information about what's happening to my body, that's when I started saying no to surgeries, and yeah, that's why that when I was 16 is when they ended. I stopped, stopped consenting. Is it done? Wow, there's a whole. I want to do a whole like side podcast on your experience of consent. I, oh, like I can't remember if I did in in our first time together, but I definitely want to be like, no, I need to bring her back to just talk about that for an hour. Um, yeah, because because that's heavy. Like I I I can't imagine like. I can imagine the feeling of wanting to not, to not consent, but I remember having surgeries at 16, 17, too, and, and feeling like I had to consent even if I didn't really want to, because I was like, well, the doctors are telling me that I have to, so... But, I mean, good for you yeah. for for standing your ground and being like, no, like, fuck you, this is not what I want. I'm going to do I'm gonna do what I want, even if it was scary to do that. Um you mentioned that you, you know, spent a lot of time in the hospital, and given with all this COVID nineteen response and um, the way, you know, a lot of people are afraid right now of going into the hospital who are disabled during COVID nineteen because, and I've said this a bunch of times on these episodes that if I go in the hospital as a as somebody who is at higher risk, I'm worried that not that COVID would kill me, but that the already overrun a hospital who already doesn't know how to manage disability would forget that I exist, yeah. would not know how to take care of me, and because of that ineptitude, I would die. How, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that, having been in the hospital for most of your childhood and knowing kind of how the hospital system works or doesn't work? 
Yeah, I, well, that's a good question. I also just think in general, as a disabled person, we already navigate the world thinking about like, 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 I don't just like get a cold, I get a cold for a month. And like, you know, my body, you know, it affects my body. So there's like a pattern in my house, my toddler brings home a cold from the daycare. And she has it for like a week. And then I get it that day, always get it the exact same day that she comes home with it. And I have it for weeks. And then two days later, my husband gets it and he has it for two days. He has it for two days. It's mild symptoms every time, two days. And for weeks, my body is recovering from this cold and then I get the next cold. So this is the first time actually in quarantine where we haven't been sick in our household because we're not leaving. And I just noticed that today for six weeks, I haven't had a cold. And this is like the first time where I haven't been sick in like, months you know since my yeah so i think like different varying degrees like but if our body is constantly already fighting a lot of people who are disabled are immunocompromised just by proxy because our body is already fighting so hard yeah so Um, you were i didn't answer your question (laughs) i forget what my question was your question was about uh the fears of going into the hospital yeah yeah yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I actually, I already am just afraid to go in the hospital always. Like, that's just like, I never want to go there anyway. That doesn't feel like a safe environment to me. And I sort of just feel like I'll just endure and like put up with this as much as I can to not have to experience like people touching my body in the way that I don't want to or people not believing me. And even after having like that many surgeries and and having a chronic disability, still not getting believed by like medical professionals. So sort of what you're saying is like just being ignored, like sort of seen as people who are just like complaining or it's, you know, it's not as bad as it is or just like disabled people sort of being a bit invisible, right? Like people don't want to acknowledge disabled people, which is why I've spent most of my life trying to not look disabled. (laughs) How fucked up is that? I remember we when we had first chatted, we talked about that a little bit. And so, like, yeah, I just feel like the hospital, it's weird. Because in previous points in my life, I used to say, like, the hospital feels like a place where I feel relatively safe. And I always kind of felt like, okay, the doctors will take care of me and I'll be all right. But as I get older and as I see how easy it is to deteriorate in there as a disabled person and to be ignored or to be neglected or to be, to be not heard, I more and more feel like the hospital is an unsafe place for disabled bodies and that's scary right now because we should be we should be able to go in there right now during a crisis like this and feel the most supported and we're not and the the stories i hear from other disabled colleagues who are who are writing and talking about their experiences their past experiences in the hospital it it's scary to think what would happen if any of us get who are severely disabled get covid we we probably won't survive, and that's that's scary. Yeah, Ooh, that is scary. I was thinking earlier today about you know I was like so, I don't spend a lot of time like sort of noticing my scars or the way that my like feet look, but like I have like um, I guess foot deformities. I don't really like that word, but that's what they call it. Um, you know, sort of looking at that and, and realizing that there was a time in history not very long ago that like you and I would not be here. You know, like, no, we like the, I, the idea of like disabled people having rights was like, that was so unfathomable. Like well, we were. Go back, go back 40 years ago. Have you seen like, have you watched Crip Camp yet? Have you? No. Okay, well, prepare yourself to, first of all, to cry for like 25 minutes. I watched it last week for an upcoming podcast series my friend and I are going to do. And um, I was on the floor within 10 minutes crying because it was so mm-hmm. powerful. And they, sh- they show a scene in there where, you know, people with disabilities are in institutions and the, the level of neglect that happens. So, yeah, you're right. We wouldn't be here. And we're very lucky to be here now, even in 2020, like the, w- the way we're talking about disability. But, I mean, the response from COVID has been so lackluster when it comes to disabled bodies and the fear i i mean i'm in this weird lull now where i've been quarantining for literally since march 1st um so it's this weird space of like all right i guess this is just normal now but also like i'm like when do i get to be sexual again when do i get to be when do i get to like fuck somebody again like like, these are literally the thoughts that i'm having like when do i get to do that i don't hello hello it's so 
and I'm going off on an Andrew tangent there, sorry, everybody listening, <laughs> but, you know, it's so frustrating. Um, do you feel that way? Do you feel like, like you're, you're coordinating with your partner, so maybe not so much, but do you feel, like, frustrated of, of the stuff that you can't do as a disabled person right now? Yeah, I think for me, the like the mobility thing, like feeling like I can't do my regular activities is like, uh, I find that stressful because I lose a lot of muscle mass really easily. And so like sitting around in the house is not not helping me like, feel like I'm keeping any strength in my body. Yep. Um, and I mean, like I mentioned, I'm a mother to a very, very active toddler and toddlers can be jerks. Like anybody who says that they're <laughs> not, I don't, you know, whatever they are. <laughs> And she, it's just like, it's a lot of work and I'm not used to raising her on my own. I, you know, people who are like single parents or stay at home parents, I just like, it's so much affinity for those people. I cannot believe that they do that all day long, every day. And I'm used to having a lot of support. And right now we have no support from grandparents. We have no support from our community. It's just like us at home and my partner's still working. And so I think that's a, a big stress for a lot of people who are at home, but especially parents who are disabled with their children who are used to having a lot of support, whether that's daycare or school or family or friends. And, um, yeah, I'm finding it really like taxing on my body, like, and emotionally as well. Is it exacerbating like not only your emotional side, but also is it, cause I, you, you, you went the last time we talked and, and even a little bit this time you've said, you know, you, you spend a lot of your time trying to hide your disability and doing everything you can to, to better your body, like, you know, going on walks and stuff. So because of all this quarantining crap, are you, like, is it exacerbating your symptomology of your disability? Yeah, I think that it is, yeah. Yeah. Like, more muscle weakness. So for me, if, like, if I'm not more active, then I lose, um, like, whatever muscle mass I have, like, really quickly. And then I just, like, don't gain it back. <laughs> oh, so you're just, like, great. I'll just atrophy. It's super cool. <laughs> just atrophy, yeah. Watch me disappear, everybody. <laughs> um, so It's so fun, I'm sure. Um, now, living with, with CMT and the kind of, again, your experience having been in the hospital as a, as a, as a kid and as a teenager, and, you know, it kind of feels like you've been through this before and you've kind of experienced this before. Is there a sense of, like, weird comfort for you they're like well i've done this i know how to do this like is there a sense of like i can get through it because i know how to be isolated i know how to do i know how to be alone i know how to do this oh that's such a fun question that's so such a good one um that was that was making me think every time every time i've talked to you it's like pulling these memories back of being a kid in the hospital and when you were saying like such I fun felt- memories that i can bring back to you in the front of your mind i'm sure sorry about that <laughs> And I'm like remembering like, yeah, when I was younger, I did feel safe in the hospital because I felt like, well, these people are the authority on my body, which is what I felt then, you know, and, you know, there's always somebody around to take care of you. And there's always somebody like your food is cooked, like everything is like, you know, prepared and done for you. And there's like physical therapy and people are always being careful with your body, right? Which is like, kind of maps onto what's happening now. People are being so careful. They're not going too close to you. And I feel like that happened a lot as a disabled child, feeling like people felt just like uncomfortable coming close to me. So I think there's that familiar familiarity. Do you notice that? Yeah, yeah, I feel. Yeah, it, it almost feels comfortable in like today. It's so funny. Like 20 minutes before I talked to you, I went down to my property manager to get something from the from someone had delivered for me, and I went in the elevator, and somebody went with me in the elevator, and we're only allowed to have three. So there was two of us, but. It's so funny. Immediately, I went to a corner, and they went to a corner, and we just we didn't talk to each other. We just stayed in our respective corners and, like, waited for the moment when we could be alone again where we could both feel safe out of the elevator. It was a very weird experience, and, but it also felt comfortable because when I go into, into an elevator before COVID, I, I would immediately go to the corner so that everyone else could feel comfortable away from the wheelchair. So, yeah, there is... A weird comfort there for sure. Mm. Did I answer your question? <laughs> I feel like I'm like um, not actually answering any of your questions. Again, what was like? Uh, <laughs> what, what what did I ask? Is there like a oh? Is there a comfort in like? Yeah, you sort of probably did. in so, the isolation of it. Yeah. yeah, so you feel comfort in in the fact that like 
you've had this before. You know, you know people's, you know what people's discomfort feels like. So you're not, mm. it's not a shock. And I think a lot of non-disabled people right now are feeling the shock of like, whenever someone coughs now, the whole world is freaking out. Whereas us disabled people are like, yeah, I've been there before. That's called ableism. That's what you're feeling. That's what that is. Just in case you didn't know, that's what that is. Like, that's what you're feeling. That's what it is. <laughs> that's funny. I was thinking, I was uh, talking to a friend the other day. When I was growing up, I had this friend, Jessica, and she was incredible. She was she was such an advocate for me. I might have talked about her in the last episode. I really love her. And she, she was such a badass. Like, people would stare at me, and adults adults would be like, oh, like, who does that? <laughs> Literally like, oh. I know, like shocked. Like, I'm like, fuck off. And she would just like, like rail into them. And, and like, what was my favorite line? She would say, um, what are you looking at? This isn't a circus. She's not a circus freak. Stop staring at her. And she was just like, she was so like, she just really like stood for me and, and really made me feel safe. And, and like you're saying, like I, I've spent my whole life with people, especially as I was younger, just like staring, staring. And like a lot of it is innocent, like they're just curious, but some people are just really rude and awful and mean and, you know, there's like deep shame there and, um, and sort of like mapping that onto this experience now, like you're saying, like people are being really careful and, and they're really worried. And and you were saying before about like disabled people in the beginning of the, the conversation, like going in and not and not feeling cared for in the hospital. But a big reason why people cared so much about COVID being an issue is that it, it affects like disabled people, right? Disabled people and older people and people who are just like more susceptible, immunocompromised people. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's us. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like, and, that, and you know, that's why so many of us from the beginning of this put out tweets and put out messages like, hey, so when your politicians are talking about the vulnerable population, think of my face. Like, here's a picture of me. Think of me. Stay home. Don't the fuck go to that party. Like, like, when if you want to think about what you can do to make this thing better, picture my fucking face and don't go anywhere. Like, that's what, that's what you should do. <laughs> that's what you, like, so I think, I think it's, I, I don't even remember what line of questioning I was on, but I think, you know, I think it's really, it's really frustrating that we are talking about this pandemic so much. Like every day, there's a news story about COVID, but we're we're still. It's so rarely being talked about around disability in the wider context. In disability circles, it's all we're talking about. But in everyday news, oh, it doesn't matter that disabled people are talking about COVID. No one cares. But it should be the disability response should be on the front page of every paper. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, how do you manage that? And how do you like, why aren't disabled voices being uplifted here? And so anyway, that's why, that's why this podcast exists. That's why this, these bunch of episodes are happening. Cause I was like, fuck it. I can do something. I'll use my voice. So here's, here's where we are. But, um, can you tell me a little bit more about being a disabled mama and kind of COVID and how, like, how is that shifted? How is that? How's your relationship with your daughter changed? Like how has your relationship with your partner changed? How's all that been affected? Mm-hmm. I've, I have so much to say about that. I'm ready. Um, you're ready. <laughs> I, one, I just, I, one, I'm learning a lot about my nervous system. I'm, I'm learning a lot about my capacity to hold like two very polarizing and contradicting experiences. One is I'm like, I'm really grateful to have the time with my daughter because she's like changing and growing and, and like everything is happening so fast. And so I, to have these opportunities to get to like, feel like I'm actually getting to know her instead of her being at daycare for half the week. So I've, I think like part of me is really sunken into like the slowness of being with her and getting to spend lots of time with her. And then the other side is like, it's just like so exhausting. It's so exhausting. <laughs> we're sitting there giving her a bath last night and we're eating our dinner while we're sitting there at the bathtub. And I'm, you know, I'm talking about how like, like me, obviously people can't see me right now, but me like sitting down and going to a standing position is like, that's more energy for my body than it is for most other people. Yeah. Obviously, as you know, and, but people don't think about that. And because my, my disability is like, can, can be invisible unless I'm walking, you can't really notice. And my partner forgets or people forget in my life. Like people just forget. And I mean, part of that's intentional because I do work to put in energy to try and not look disabled. Right. And, 
but just like being aware of that in my own head, how much extra work it is to raise my daughter right now. And also trying to run a business. Like my business has been like severely impacted by COVID. Oh yeah. And just basically not being able to work at all, except for like some things here and there and having to like figure out well, what am I going to do with my business now? And also like raising my, my toddler and trying to do it based on my values and not just like sit here in front of a TV, which I'm, I'm tempted to do just like all day, like just go watch TV and don't. That's literally what it's, it's 30 <laughs> right now. I literally did that from 10 o'clock till right now. Cause I was like, <laughs> what is like, I don't have to do anything today. Like I have work stuff to do, but yeah, it is. It does feel very comforting, especially as a disabled person. You can always say, oh, I'm disabled. I can just watch TV. What, like, what can I do? I can't do anything. So I'll just watch TV. So you're, I, I would I would give you the little caveat of you're allowed to use your disability to get out of shit. If you want to, like, <laughs> take a break and just veg, you can say, fuck it, I'm disabled today. Like, I wanted to sit in my house and watch TV all day. You're allowed. You're allowed. Oh, I love that. My mom used to say that all the time when I was a kid, that... Like you, if you're going to be disabled, you may as well use it to your advantage. Whatever advantage you can find, that is, yeah. dis- because your whole life is going to be disadvantaged because you're disabled. So why not take advantage of the things that you can and use it? Yeah. And I was like, I remember growing up and like hating that she said that. I was like, no, I will not. And now as an adult, I'm like, yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> People say that to me, and I'm like, great. That means I get a that means I get a car to use. Cool, I'm gonna use it. Amazing, yeah. good. Um, but tell me a little bit more about how it's changed, like with raising your daughter. So with no support, just you and your husband and your daughter, like how does your being a disabled person play into like taking care of your daughter during COVID? Like, is there, Mm. what is it like for you? Yeah. Something I've always like thought or, you know, that I've talked to my partner about is that when we got pregnant, which you knew, like we talked about in the first episode, that it was a big surprise yeah. and I didn't think that I could get pregnant. And part of the reason where I was like, yes, I can absolutely do this is because we have huge support system. Like Matt's, my, my husband's family is amazing and they love being grandparents and they show up and they, they really, really show up for us. And so we have a lot of support. And so I thought, okay, I can do this because I've got so much support I really think it takes a community to raise raise children. I don't think we're supposed to do it on our own. No. And right now we're doing it on our own. And, you know, like I, I have a physical disability and my partner struggles with mental health. And I think for both of us, just trying to like really, because for me, I want to parent my daughter with a lot of tenderness. To me, it's really important to like hold the space for her when she has really, really big emotions. And right now she's got a lot of big emotions because this is hard on her too. She's not getting to see her grandparents, who she sees several times a week. She doesn't get to go to daycare and see her friends and her teachers. And there's no novelty. It's the same thing every day. And, you know, I think, like, she's really tired of it, too. And she's having really big emotional experiences. And she doesn't know how to, like, understand what's happening for her. And so it's our job to translate that. But I also have to be coming from, you know, a really, like, neutral place myself like if in my own body I'm feeling really anxious or exhausted you, you know I don't have to say that yeah you have it has yeah. to be, you have to be very neutral which is I'm sure is hard yeah and it's like if I don't have the capacity you know I have to like pull that capacity from somewhere but I notice that I have a less less capacity for even for my community for holding space for them and you know normally I would check in on them more often or we'd be in communication more often and now it's just like I don't answer my phone as much, or I just feel like my phone I'm is on, on. My phone is on Do Not Disturb almost <laughs> all the time because like I don't want it. I don't want it. Like I want to call you when I want to, and I don't want to look at the phone when I don't have to. And so when people text me, I'm like, Oh God, why? I don't want to answer. And literally, I think that's because of COVID. Because normally, I love my phone. It's my lifeline. But now I'm just like, Oh no, no, because it's the only way that I can communicate right now. So I kind of sort of hate it. It used to be a, it is still a huge access point for me, but I kind of resent it because it's the only way that I can interact with humans right now. And I love it. And I also really hate it. Yeah. And it's like, it's the capacity thing, right? I, there's this like quote that, you know, people always post or this like meme and I freaking hate it. Like if people, if you really matter to people, then they'll make time for you. Like some bullshit like that. I'm like, well, that's like so not trauma informed or it doesn't account for people's like very full lives and and that like people have a lot going on that maybe they're not sharing with you. Yeah. And like something like this, like this is, 
culturally and individually very, very challenging situation for us to be going through. And and it very active for some people, it's, you know, the chaos may feel very comforting for their nervous systems and, and their like previous like life experience. And for some of us, it might be really overwhelming and, and activating for different reasons. And it's also just like a lot of grieving. There's a lot to grieve for every single one of us to have our life one way. And then the next day find out like we can't do any of those things. That's a lot. So we have to sit in that too, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm grieving the fact for me as a disabled person, like I was saying earlier, I can't access my sex workers right now. I can't access my touch right now. I can't access my body the way that I or have. I can't allow somebody to else to access my body with me right now. And that is one of the hardest things that I've had to contend with. Because usually, if I'm, if I'm being honest, usually once every two weeks, I would probably have a session with a worker or once every week. Or if I worked an extra job, I would have extra money and I would put it towards some dick sucking to be quite honest so yeah. I can't I can't do that right now and like I can I'll occasionally text my workers and be like hey how are you doing today how are you, are you alright but like it's not I can't I can't having a digital session with the worker and they've offered that and it's like well that's not the same as like actually being touched so mm-hmm. it feels really weird for me because I want so much that community and I think like I'm also, what else, what else am I grieving? I'm just grieving, like, my work. My work is shifted, too. Like, a lot of it I can do digitally, but I like going out there and, and seeing the people and talking about sexuality and disability, and I can't do that right now, and it's it's tough. Like, I loved going to do big lectures and being flown all over the world as a speaker. Like, that's yeah. not happening right now. And I did two or three digitally over the weekend, and it was super, like, I was super grateful for the opportunity and for the for the chance to get paid to do what I do, but I was also like, I wish that I could be in the room with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. I, I'm, I, that must be so challenging, not having access to sex workers right now. And I think like people are having such different experiences, right? Like for you right now, like lack of touch. And that's, I think the, the like other dark side to the COVID 19 stuff happening is that like this also really affects people's like mental health and mental wellness right oh, yeah definitely how is it affected you said your your partner kind of gives us some mental health stuff is how is he yeah handling all of that well i think in the beginning he was really like um like he went into like having a lot of mobilized energy like he really he was like what do we have to do to make sure that we can like make money and pay our bills and that we're okay and so he, cause he, he um, is a residential house cleaner. So he lost a bunch of clients and he has been, so he's still working a little bit, but has lost a lot of work. And then for me, yeah. I, I was going to be like running a retreat in Greece at the end of May. Oh no. I know. <laughs> I know. And that was like a year and a half of work and a really, really exciting, oh. exciting thing for me. It was a big dream. So that's like, that was a grieving, grieving thing for me. And a lot of my um, work is in person and I really love to do the work in person. Of course I do like zoom sessions and those are really awesome as well. And we're lucky we have that these platforms to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I love the the part of my work that is, is being physically really, really present with people. And so I'm missing that and I'm missing that with my community. And, you know, for me, that's like the opposite of what you're saying. Like your experience is, is like touch deprivation. And for me, it's like, I'm overwhelmed by how much like interactions I have with my like two family members here. Right. And my stepdaughter part time, but it's, um, yeah, for me, I need, I need like, like it's been the opposite of, of how it's affected my, like our sex life together. And that we feel like we have to like, I have to really like pull on my desire. Like I have to like source it from a lot of outside places because I don't feel that heat internally right now. And COVID has sort of like, for me, I've been going into like this light freeze where I just feel a bit like stuck and, and I don't feel like I have a lot of mobilized energy. Yeah. And for me, that's not, I don't, I don't experience a lot of desire in that place. And most people don't, and the body's in too much stress. So for me, it's, it's like, I have to really source that heat and desire from outside of myself, um, which I'm doing. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, if, if I could stick my husband in your, like with you, you'd be like, yes, here we go. I mean, <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> 
There are so many things I want to say right now. But <laughs> I've seen photos of your husband. He's a very he's a very attractive gentleman. So if, if ever yeah. if ever you want to have that conversation, just let me know. <laughs> um, totally kidding. Totally kidding. Yeah. Totally kidding. Um, what is some of the best and worst parts of social distancing for you right now as a disabled person? Ooh, the worst part for me right now is that I have very um, intimate friendships. Like my friendships with women are very, um, well, I feel like they're basically like a primary relationship without all the sex. Cool. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm really used to being like a physical support or being physically supported as well. Like we, we do lots of hugging and lots of like kissing and, and cuddling and just like a lot of things where we're in big community together. Yeah. And for me, that's that's the hardest part about the social distancing is, is not actually being able to be with my like support people or supporting them in the same capacity that I usually do. Um, yeah, I'm like, I just, I really miss sisterhood. I really miss my community and I miss being able to be in relationship with them, like physically, like next to them, sitting next to them would be nice. Um, right. Yeah. Just, I, just to have a coffee with somebody right now would be like revolutionary yeah. for me. Yeah, that's. I think that's what I'm. I'm missing the most. And um, alone time. I really miss like being by myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you got a toddler and your husband with you like all the time, which is which I'm sure is great on some level. But yeah. So you need a freaking break. Is there any part of the disability experience that's making it harder for you right now? Yeah, I think <laughs> the thought that just popped my head is, yeah, I've got more time to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> I would say to that, I would say you're loud. I would say, and I, like, I, I, I've noticed just from talking to you today, and I remember from our first conversation, like, you work so hard to, and I don't mean this in any kind of bad way, but you, you work so hard to minimize the disability. I would... In the gentlest way, encourage you to like embrace the disabled parts right now because yeah. who the fuck cares? We're in quarantine. You might as well like it may as well be your buddy. Like you might you might and again, take do with this what you want to do. But you might um feel more connected to the disability experience in this time because you don't have to perform it for somebody right now. You don't mm -hmm. have to like go out in the world and decide whether or not you should be this disabled, or if I do this, will I look this way to somebody? You're in your house, so who the fuck cares if you're if you taking <laughs> if standing up takes you an extra five minutes? Like it doesn't matter because whatever. So I just think this might be a, a this might be an opportunity for you to like to like get to know your disability in a different way than you may have before. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. That's like there's definitely. Um, yeah, there's like there's so much resistance in in that for me because that was like a survival. It's a way that like I adapted to like like a very harsh world, as you know. Like you know, there's there's a reason we have these conversations about disability being invisible and or disabled people being invisible. You know, people because we have our, been, we have yes, been, and we are, yeah. and we, even and we, we are, yeah. Even in doing all the work we do as disabled people, we're still not seen. 100% as whole disabled people. We're, we're either told to be a whole person without the disability or not really a person if you choose to be disabled. And so it's like, so no wonder you fought so hard to fight against it. But I'm saying again, in this weird time, mm -hmm. this might be a time to be like, hey, what if I was to become friends with my disability? How do I, how, what would that look like? It might be, and again, this is me just, just like spitballing, but it might be like a good chance for you to, just to to get acquainted with disability in a whole different light. <laughs> My body's like, I'm I, like I love how you're like I hear what you're saying, but I don't want to do it. I, um, my partner and I were having sex last night, and um, he's he's really good at like slowing down and listening to my body. Like we've done a lot of work around. Um, like reimagining what sex looks like, like redeciding for ourselves, like what sex looks like. And we don't see sex as slow and intuitive and sensitive and 
really paying attention to reading the body language and the body cues. So we had like, you know, learning that is a, a whole big thing on its own, but he's really amazing at that. And last night I was just really resisting intimacy. And a lot of it for me was that my body's in a lot of pain right now. And I didn't want to be with the pain. And I knew that it like being present with him in sex meant I also had to be present with whatever else was happening in my body. And, yeah. and sometimes I have, I have so much capacity for meeting those edges for myself, like the pain points. And, and I know because of the work that I've done that on the other side of that, there's so much pleasure and so much wisdom to find if I just like lean into the, the pain and that I'm experiencing and we don't always have the capacity for it. And so the invitation, the pain is an invitation for me to lean into that, but it doesn't mean I always have the capacity for it. And so I had this moment where we just like checked in and I was able to like express, like I really don't want to be present right now because then I have to like be with what's in my body. But even just acknowledging that meant that I got to let something go and actually like sink into the experience. And you know what? I really deserved that pleasure. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did. Some really hot sex and I deserved that. And I'm really glad that I like spoke to that and that, I have this tender human who wants to, you know, be on that journey with me. I'm <laughs> super jealous of you right now. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I was like, should I tell this story? <laughs> super jealous of you, but also I think it's a great story. And you just gave me a real, a real quick snapshot into your sex life. Thank you for, uh, thank you for putting all that visuals in my head that I'm, that I'm <laughs> to, but, but no, I think, I think you're right. I think being present, um, can be hard sometimes and being present when your body's response to being present and feeling stuff is to have dull pain all the time or sometimes sharp pain all the time can be really tough and so it's yeah. great that you checked in and just told the truth because a lot of times when we're with as disabled people when we're when we're having sex we don't always tell the truth we lie to our partners to make sure that our disabilities don't get in the way and we, they don't ruin the moment and they don't ruin their experience we spend so much time navigating how are they going to feel if I, if I tell them the truth. That the fact that you, in this brief moment, felt, felt the comfort to be like, actually, I feel like shit right now. I don't want to, like, I, I want to do this, but I don't know how to feel about this, is, I think, an important thing to, to bring up during, like, not just COVID times, but sex and disability generally. Oh, Wow. I want everybody to like let that sink in. <laughs> just like let that sink in that that is what disabled folks are doing, and that is just like oh, that is my entire like life and relationship with sex is trying to hide what's there and not let people see what's really there until I met my partner and our entire relationship has been me like very vulnerably and very bravely peeling back like one layer at a time to say actually that doesn't work for my body because I have a disability or um, or arousal shows up differently in my body because I have this disability or I can't even like being in certain positions like, I can't do that because I just can't do that my body doesn't do that and that's like that even things like that is so challenging because you know you want to be able to be like up for anything and good for anything and, and that's just like not the truth of our it's experience always, it's always like when you're disabled and you're having sex you're like if i can do this i've somehow reached this threshold of normalcy that i've that everyone else has had before and if i do this i'll please them which means i'm a good person which means my disability is not as intense if i'm good then it, like if i if i do this for them or give them this position or do this then I'm a good person and they'll like me and they'll want to fuck me again and all of this like huge cycle of internalized ableism happens and yeah I, I fully mm. feel you when you say things like my body can't do that I have a dream <laughs> a dream of being like fucking of being gangbanged by a bunch of dudes is what I really truly want to have happen in my sex life I've never experienced that before. I've never been been penetrated in any way before. So I don't even know what that would feel like. But I know that it's something my body cannot do. It's just not going to ever happen oh. for me. And I, it's tough for me because I've done porn. I've done sexy things. And even the porn was based on what my body could do at the moment. And all I wanted to do in the porn was be like the sluttiest slut that ever slutted. But I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do that because my body would... So I understand the like... And we went off on such a tangent. The question was, 
<laughs> was a good was, tangent. I think people will like it. The question was, what is the best, what is the best, most person social distancing? Um, but I like this tangent much better. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I've done sexuality stuff, and I, I've had to do it in what my body can and can't do, and it's really... I feel you when you say it's really frustrating. I get really angry with my body all the time because it doesn't do what I want and it makes me really angry because everything that I'm seeing in my experience as a queer disabled man tells me to do a certain thing a certain way and tells me to be hyper-masculine and hyper, which which I understand is all constructed and is silly and is like not the real world, but I want part of me wants to play into that just a little bit to feel what that feels like and my body doesn't let me do that and I get mad. Yeah, I really get that. Yeah, it's all a construct, and it kind of looks like fun. So. Yeah, right? I want to know what it feels like to be I, a, bit, a little bit of a douche. I want to try it and then get to reject it because I've tried it, not because I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. I, that's exactly how I feel about it. That's 100% how I feel about it. Um, so gangbangs are fun, and that really sucks. But I, you know, <laughs> They are. They're just a lot of fun if you're into it. So. I, I'm I'm super into it. So if somebody wants to like find a way to make a gangbang accessible, let me know. Let's talk about I feel it. Like it could be accessible. I totally. Let's dream this up. Let's have another conversation. Yeah. I could help you dream up how a gangbang could be accessible. <laughs> I definitely want to bring you back. That. I want to bring you back on the show just for that. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so here for it. Um, <laughs> um. And what is your favorite part of social distancing right now as a disabled person? Uh, having my husband home more often. I mean. He is super cute, so I don't blame you for that. And right now, we're we're the one thing that's really like great for us is that we just bought this new house in the fall, and we've got a little garden, and we're turning it into a food garden. And so he's digging all the holes, and he's doing all the work that otherwise he would be too busy to do. And the other part is like again, it's like about him, but he he hasn't stopped working like for years. He has just worked too hard, like two or three jobs at a time, like doesn't stop working and doesn't take a break, doesn't feel like he deserves a break, doesn't give it to himself. And now this is like forced time off. And it's just really nice to like, for some people, this is like, they need a break from capitalism. They need a break. These like standards of who they're supposed to be in the world. And like, this is like permission for some people to just slow down. And that's kind of what I was saying to you earlier. This is your permission to be as disabled as you need to be right now. I know that's hard for you, and I could already I could already see you looking at me like, no, I don't like that. I don't really like that. But <laughs> but but you know, it, it is your permission to just stop if you need to, and if that means being as disabled as you need to be for one whole day and letting disability like not overtake you, but like let it let it let it sink in for a day, and I don't know, maybe it'll feel good, maybe it won't feel good, but if you this is your chance to try that out, yeah, without the expectations of the world around you. For me, that would mean not getting out of bed in the morning. That's what I would want to do. And have somebody else take care of my kid. So <laughs> I'm going to plan a day. I'm going to do it when my husband's home. I'm going to be do zero productivity, nothing productive. And I'm just going to, like, lay around all day. That's what my body wants to do. <laughs> I'm here for that. You're like, And I, you know, you should call it, like, disability day and just lean into all the things. Um, okay, I'm gonna text you when I, when I do it. I'm gonna let right. you know, and I'll get a big. You can text cheer me on. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a big text. It's like actually, it sucked. Here's why. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. Um, so we kind of talked about kind of you know being in the hospital and and that kind of stuff before, and kind of the the response of COVID as a disabled person with um I cannot pronounce the full name of your disability. Can charcuterie? Charcuterie. Charcuterie. <laughs> I love that. Um, is that a cheese board? It's a, a meat board? Charcot <laughs> uh, Marie Tooth Disease. So, Charcot Marie Tooth Disease. How, what is your fear of having CMT if you were to go, if you were to contract COVID, what would you be most afraid of? Um, well, CMT affects your lung capacity. So, like, even if I have, like, a really long conversation where I'm, like, talking a lot, like, my chest and my, like, throat get really weak. And so I think for me, that's like the, that's the fear or the fear is that, um, yeah, the fear is that like, you know, I would, might die from it, that I might be like one of the people that would die or that, um, my body would be like really impacted by it in a way that somebody else's wouldn't like they would rec- recover in a way that my body wouldn't recover. Yeah. And you, because you mentioned just having a cold for your husband is two days. 
for your daughter mm-hmm. is like three days, maybe a week. For you, it's like yeah. a month. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. Like, wow. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I'm getting you to, to kind of talk about the fear because I want people listening who may not be affected by disability to think about, think harder about when they leave their house. And you know, mm-hmm. I know we want to get out there right now, and I know things are starting to slowly relax, which I don't necessarily agree with. I know things are starting to slowly relax, but like, for us, it it won't relax for much longer. I think we're going to be in lockdown for, I think, honestly, two to three months more than the average person after all this, just for our own safety. Yeah, and I think also for people who aren't disabled, this is a really great time for it to advocate for folks who are disabled or are immunocompromised or are like more at risk because it's a lot more energy for us to advocate for ourselves. And even just like having certain conversations is challenging. Like when this all first started happening, I like, I remember I had a conversation with my mother-in-law and like had to like say like, just so you know, I'm one of those people that they're talking about. Like, like I'm more at risk and I'm, you know, I need you to like, remember that, that you also have to be more careful around me. And, and like, feeling very, very uncomfortable with having to admit that, like, for me, that, 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 like, that's really challenging to have to advocate for myself in that way and to, like, admit that, like, like, I'm one of the people they're talking about, just so you know, and sort of fearing, like, that they're going to see me, like, I'm, like, a complainer or that, you know, I'm exaggerating or, like, things like that, like, like, how I'm going to be seen, like, that, like, I worry about that. It's so funny (laughs) how, how many layers of ableism that there is. Oh, I know. In that, and just what you said, like, you're yeah. worried what your non-disabled people, like, people in your life who support you are going to think if you admit that you're more vulnerable because of COVID. Like, it's, there's so many layers, and that's something that I didn't even think about until you said that. I was like, wow, I, like, I can't imagine the stress, and all of that stress probably goes unnoticed to you in your day-to-day until your body is like, fuck you, we're not going to work right now, ha <laughs> and you're like, well, that's what it is. That's where yeah. all the, like... So, and, like, this is, again, further proof that, like, ableism hurts. Like, if you could just say I'm one of the vulnerable ones, help me out. Or, like, you know, do your do your part for me, then maybe you wouldn't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if, like, ableism didn't exist, then, I mean, well, that's, like, a whole... <laughs> that's, like, a, like, a very dreamy idea. That's but a whole... You know it, what? It's so funny. Today, today, like, five minutes, like, an hour ago, two hours ago... You know that that new show that Ryan Murphy created where, like, he reimagines Hollywood from, like, years ago where all the gay people are given spots and everything's cool and racism's not a thing, and so he reimagined it. And I was like, well, if he can reimagine a place where homophobia doesn't exist, can somebody write a fucking show where ableism doesn't exist? Can someone do that, please? Please? Yeah. Yeah, and talking about, like, like seeing ourselves in media, like, is so important, right? Like... I don't see anybody in, in like anything that I watch of like, I don't see somebody like limping around or that has like, you know, has any of, any of the issues that I have, or that's just like today I can't get this much done because, you know, I'm having a flare up or, or, or just admitting like my body can't do that. Like, it's like, everybody is able bodied. Everybody is like good to go. Yeah. And if they are disabled, then it's just like their whole character is just that they're disabled. They're not like, uh, an entire human that's like complex in many yeah, things. It's like their only thing. Yeah. Is, yeah. 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 Totally. Um, um, my last three questions for you are Kat Nance. I love having our conversations. And I feel like we should, I feel like we should do more of this somewhere somehow. Um, <laughs> Cause you have so much to say. I love kind of peeling back the layers of you. Like you mentioned earlier, like peeling back the layers of your, disability and then experience every time we talk like it's like getting a glimpse into somebody who isn't you're comfortable with your disability in parts but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a part of you that's not so comfortable and I love kind of wading into all those parts of you because you mm-hmm. you open up to me and I appreciate that so thank you yeah and you're welcome um my last two questions though are what piece of advice would you give to other disabled people going through this right now? If you could lo- if you could go into the speaker and just say something to all the disabled people listening right now who may want a friendly disabled voice to give them kind of a kind of a a friendly word about what the fuck's happening with COVID, what would you say? 
I think the first thing I would say is that however you are adapting to this is completely normal and whatever your experience is in this is completely normal and that um, like that I see you and that so many people do see you and that even though we live in a world where like our experiences are erased a lot um, that's not across the board and a lot like you know we're not <laughs> we're not just like a group of disappeared people actually I feel like so many people are disabled like most people I know struggle with something, not to the same extent that maybe you and I do, but um, I think it's just like more rampant and probably because of trauma. Anyways, that's a whole different tangent, um, chronic illnesses related to trauma. But um, what would I want to say? I don't know, just that what you're saying is that if like, that this is the, the slowing down is an opportunity for us to do what we want with it. And for me, sometimes that means like really acknowledging where my body's at. And sometimes it means like escaping and not being in my body. And if we can escape from our bodies and do it intentionally, whether that's like, you know, TV or whatever else we're doing to like not be in our bodies, like that that's actually okay. And that's a form of, of being adaptive and um, taking care of ourselves. If we can just do that with intention, like to, right now in this moment, I don't feel safe in my body. So I'm going to choose to not be in my body. And that is really okay. We don't have to endure pain. We don't have to endure being uncomfortable. It's okay for us to like not want to have to feel these things. I think that's really powerful. Um, and on the flip side of that question, many people without disabilities are going through this self-isolation and this quarantine and all this social distancing stuff that you as a frequent flyer of the hospital system and I as, as a disabled person have done since we were young what advice would you give to non-disabled people right now going through this for the very first time? And I think that disabled people are experts in this area right now and can really guide people. If you could guide a non-disabled person through this with your dis disabled expertise, what would you say? Mm, I, I think I feel like I would say the same thing because I, <laughs> you know, I, I think this is the really amazing thing about going through something like really awful collectively is that the, the like the aftermath of it or like the trauma of it is doesn't land in our bodies the way that it does when we go through something like individually so say like you and me going through something in the hospital system like you know some of my surgeries or some of my experiences in the hospital were really traumatizing and that's because I didn't have the collective or I didn't have the witnessing or the support or um, the connection afterwards I felt like I was alone so something awful happens and then the repair and connection doesn't happen after but something so collective like this, it's something we're experiencing together. And so the sense of unity in that mean, lets us know that we're actually going to be okay. And the thing with disability is that we are often very, very isolated. And so the challenges feel like pretty similar for like me and a lot of other people going through this. It's like, it's really hard for all of us, for most of us, some people maybe not so much, but for a lot of us, it's really challenging. But the coming out of this you know, in that collective way that I'm saying that we all get to like, look back in 20 years and be like, can you remember like what that was like? Like, holy shit, that was really messed up. But disabled people don't really get to do that. Like my, like my body is the, like a vault of all of these stories that go unwitnessed and unseen and unacknowledged and, and they're just mine. Right. And so they sit, I, I don't get to share those, those as collective experiences. So I think what I would say to non-disabled people is like, this is like a really good perspective on what disabled people might already experiencing in terms of isolation, not having access to people, places and things that they need or want and everything feeling like a lot more work. Like you got to wash all your groceries down that, that chore. It's like, that's what it's like for disabled people going out to the grocery store. Always. It's so much work. Yeah. Like things like that, like the things that feel like a lot of work right now and you feel trapped in your, your house and in your body, like, well, dis a lot of disabled folks feel trapped in their bodies and homes already. And so just like having a perspective and tenderness towards what disabled folks are already going through. And I would, you know, it's so funny because I vacillate between the idea of agreeing with people who say we're all going through this. Yes, yeah. but we're not going through it in the same way. Disabled people no. are going through this in a different way, in a way that is a little bit harsher, in a way that is a little bit, not harsher, but it's, it's different because we've been through it before and we don't know if we as a disabled group don't know if we'll make it out alive. Non-disabled people 
for the most part, we'll probably make it out okay. Um, yeah. So I think that fear that the disabled community has about maybe not coming out of it alive is, is very palpable. And I would say to the non-disabled community, um, be aware of that when a disabled person brings up that fear, brings up that discomfort, or brings up that possibility, don't deflect it and say, oh, we're all going through that same fear too. Well, no, yeah, we're going through a version of that together, but the individual fear for each disabled person about this is very real. Yeah, yeah, and even for you, like your experience is different than mine as as us both being like disabled people, right? Yeah. And, and like you, you already live a life where you have less access to things and like it's harder to get places. And so, so really business as usual in that sense, like the familiarity that you're talking about that like, you know, I already know what it's like to not have access to things. And I, I think part of my grief too is that I have fought so hard for the little bit of access that I do have to stuff. And mm -hmm. particularly I'm talking about like my sex life and to not have that right now is just like I'm constantly watching porn that I would never pay attention to because like I need something to feel connected to my sense of masculinity, my sense of who I am as a like I want to feel hot right now. And I, I what you were saying earlier about being in that kind of frozen space of like I'm not really there, but I want to get there, but I have to pull my body into desire. That's what I feel right now, mm -hmm. and it's really hard because usually, given that I have to fight so hard for access to sexuality, my sex drive is like always, I'm ready to, yep, sure, no problem. Whereas now it's like, I want to get there, but I really have to try. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a wet blanket. You know, that's what it feels like to me. Like there's just like this like weightedness on my, my body or on my desire. It just feels like more work to sort of climb out of that. Yeah, completely. Um, still jealous you had sex last night, but I support <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> This was a great chat, Kat. I loved, I loved doing this, and it was so fun. And I definitely want to have you back on at some point to like, to like construct a possible gangbang for Andrew. I'm, I'm here for that. Yes, <laughs> I'm really down for that episode. Let's set that up soon. Um, how can people get a hold of you, and how can they follow your work right now, and how can they support you right now, and how can they put their dollars towards what you're doing? Because I know you're disabled and trying to make ends meet for your family. So I want to give you a chance to plug yourself. Thank you. So you can find me at katnance.com. It's K-A-T-N-A-N-T-Z.com. And it's the same on Instagram and Facebook. It's just my name, Kat Nance. And I do one-on-one -on -one Zoom sessions. And I mean, I did that a lot before this happened, but that's also what I offer now. I also have a six-week course coming up on rewilding the body. And I'm going to be launching a membership program um, soon as well. So um, if anybody's interested in that, then you can just shoot me an email and say you'd want to hear more about it, and I will let you know. Amazing. Kat Nance, yeah. this was so fun. Thank you for coming on to Quarantine and Chill. You are our 10th <laughs> episode of Quarantine and Chill. And I, nice. I assume there will be a bunch more because who the fuck knows when this will end. But uh, yeah. thank you for coming on this episode within Disability After Dark, and thanks for um, taking the time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, friends. This is my interview with Kat Nance. Um, I'll, I'll put some outro here at some point. But uh, all right. Um, thanks so much, Kat. And we'll talk when I hit off. Thanks. Okay. And there you have it. There's my interview with the sexual and wellness coach, Kat Nance, as we explore her experience being a disabled mother during the coronavirus pandemic. And I really love all these different perspectives that we get from these guests and I love the interest and the desire to talk about this stuff and the emails that I get from people saying that these particular episodes help them through and give them community and it means a lot to me so once again if you want to be a part of a quarantine and chill with me this up this series will be on the the podcast for as long as we need it to be and I'm really honored that it's a that I can be a, a voice during all this stuff, and I can use my platform to elevate your voices. So again, if you want to be a part of this, um, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Send me an email with the subject line, quarantine and chill, and I would love to have you. The more nuanced experiences we hear of disabled people during the pandemic, the better. So I just wanted to put that out there. My big thanks to my guest today, Kat Nance. Thanks for listening to another episode of Quarantine and Chill, and we'll be back on... 
Friday of next week for another Quarantine and Chill, and on Thursday for our regular sexy episode, and we have even more content coming. Like I said, we're expanding the show and type of content out as much as we can, because why not have a friendly voice during the pandemic, hey? And that's what I want to offer to you. So, more stuff's going to come, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks, friends. Once again, I'm Andrew Gerza, your disability host with the most. I tried that out. I don't know if it's going to work, but that's who I am. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Music was by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Notice 2020